Hey, over here, yeah. Oh, yeah! Right here! Right now! Gosh. Hey, everybody. Yes. Welcome to the Paid Search Podcast. Welcome back. If you're coming back, welcome for the first time. If you're new, my name is Jason Rothman. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the great Chris Schaefer. Chris, how's it going? Um. No, wait, I don't care. Yeah. Okay, I want to read this week's five-star review. Unbelievable access to free advice on PPC. Five stars from Mr. Ugly Man. Ooh, humble. In the United States of America. Yeah. I've come across a bunch of junk online from amateurs pretending to be Ooh, pros, yeah. but these guys are the real deal. real deal. These guys aren't focused on selling to their audience, but rather they actually teach and provide a fly on the wall experience for anyone wanting to sit in on a PPC campaign strategy session, which is something you'll never find for free elsewhere. Oh, man. Hey. Thanks for that review. That's a great review. I love what he says there, fly on the wall. You remember years ago when we started this, that's what our goal was, to create a podcast where you and I talk about real stuff and people just get to listen to two pros talk. I am so glad to hear that review because that's that's literally what we wanted to do because we didn't think that existed and, and people wouldn't give it straight up. They would just kind of BS around different topics, so... That's awesome. Thanks for that review. All right. Well, yeah, this is like a webinar ad where the webinar actually starts yeah. <laughs> when you click play right. and it's actually yeah. real yeah, and it's live. Like, this is, yeah, this is a webinar where you actually get something good instead of the webinar to tell you about the thing that you have to pay for to get something good. Um, so, yeah, real deal. So, let me tell you about another real deal OPTEO dot com slash PSP to get a six week extended trial to my favorite, Jason's favorite online tool to get recommendations in your inbox for your Google ads campaigns. Get things like alerts about spending over your budget, spending under your budget. Have you hit a new conversion record that you didn't realize? Do you have some type of issue uh, that's causing a significant spike in the cost? Do you have a huge increases in impressions? Because oops, you accidentally forgot to set that ad group up on display with keyword targeting and you just left it wide open and now you've got 10 million impressions. You could fix that because it will email you right away within 24 hours, I think is usually what I get it, to tell you that you screwed up. Great tool. Highly recommend you go check them out. We appreciate them for sponsoring us. Optio.com slash PSP. Thank you, Chris. And I want to thank Directive Consulting for sponsoring today's episode. Directive Consulting is the go-to B2B and enterprise search engine marketing agency. They offer more communication, more accountability, and more ROI than just traffic. It's not just about traffic. It's about getting leads. It's about getting quality leads. And then it's about scaling to get as many quality leads as possible from all the different kinds of search engine marketing related platforms, strategies, things online, pay-per-click, SEO, conversion rate optimization, content, social media, digital PR, analytics, Directive does it all. Get a free custom proposal at directiveconsulting.com. We'll link to it in the show notes, directiveconsulting.com. Today's an exciting day because you guys are the stars of the show. That's new. Because we don't do that every time. We don't do it every month. We do it when we feel like it because we're the boss. But this is it. This is the PSP questions and answers show where we answer the questions that you sent in. Some of you have sent them in a while ago and we appreciate your patience. Some of them you sent in years ago and we deleted them and we're sorry uh, because we didn't want to answer them. <laughs> but I promise if... Why, Chris? We're not just jerks. That's true. That's true. Um, Tell them what you were telling me earlier. The reason we don't always answer your questions is because sometimes some questions are going to go beyond just AdWords management and they're going to go into questions about client management, about the business of Google Ads. And if you're interested in that, we do have a solution for you. Our Patreon show, which we're going to be doing the same thing and, and answering some specific questions about the business of Google Ads. We're going to be going to that after we finish recording here and we answer those questions. So if you're interested, check out Patreon. Just go to paidsearchpodcast.com and click on the Patreon link and you can get there. Two bucks a month. Yeah, you heard me. Two bucks a month. That's not like thanks and you can get a sticker. You literally get the content for two bucks a month. So I don't know. I don't know why you're still here. 
Well, I do, because you want to listen to the show, but please open up a new tab. All right, um, let's do this. Jason, you ready to go? I think the first one is mine, and uh, it is our favorite. It's a voicemail. We always like to lead with those. And today's question is from Hal. Hey, this is Hal. I've been listening to your show for many months, and I don't think I've ever heard you talk about using an automated bid strategy and just using max cost per click in place of doing your whole manual thing. So I'd love to hear you talk more about the difference between the two. And also, I signed up for your Patreon maybe like uh, two months ago. Never thought I'd listen, but I've been listening to every episode, and it's very valuable. So thank you for convincing me to to join. Bye-bye. There we go. So Hal had a question about our whole manual thing versus automated. Our whole manual thing. Our whole manual thing. I guess that's the way I just have my whole $21 million a month of revenue thing. Uh I guess that's how I became the best Google Ads manager in the planet thing. Okay, Hal. Chris, automated versus manual. Hal's never heard us talk about it. Does Hal have too much earwax in his ears? Like We talk about this quite a bit. Let's assume he's a new subscriber. Okay. New subscriber. Okay. Okay. So here's our thing. We're the manual guys. We like to be in control. We like to, uh, it's just how we came up. We manage bids manually. We look at what's working, what keywords are working, what position are they? (laughs) We're going to have to figure that out soon, but what's their impression share? What's their, I guess, if this is the future, what's their top of page impression share? What's their absolute top position impression share. And if it's not near 100% and we're getting a great cost per conversion, you know what we can do? We can manually make a decision with our brain and raise the bids and get more conversions at a great cost per conversion and make a great profit on the campaign. If keywords aren't working out completely, we can pause them. If they're working out to some extent and they're getting some conversions, but not an ideal cost per conversion because it's way too high, We can use our brain again. We have the brain up there. We can use it and we can manually lower the bids until that cost per conversion for that keyword gets in line with where we want it. So I think in a nutshell, that's why Chris and I like manual is because we can control where the traffic's going, how aggressive we are on different keywords, and we can try to get the cost per conversion we want from a ton of different keywords. That leads to question, why would we ever use automated? Well, Chris and I, even though we're known for manual bids, we also use automated sometimes. I'd love to hear from Chris a little bit, but for myself, when I use automated, it's in two circumstances. One is when, for whatever reason, manual just doesn't seem to be getting the job done. I'm just struggling to get the cost per conversion I want, and I'll go, you know what? This doesn't seem to be working in this case. All my keywords are great. They're locked down. I'm going to try maximize clicks bidding. Or we're getting a ton of conversion data, but I can't pull that cost per conversion from $30 down to 15. I just can't do it over like six months. I'll go, you know what? We're getting tons of conversions. Why don't I try max CPA bidding and put the max CPA at 15 to $20 and see if Google's automated system is willing to or is able to do that. So that's when I'm not able to crack the code and I let automate take over. The other time is when we just need to try something new, freshen up a campaign, Try something out of the box. The client says, hey, great cost per conversion, but I want three times the traffic. I go, hey, your impression share is 99%. I don't know if we can get more traffic. They go, you know what? Maybe let's try something new. Okay, we try max clicks and see how it does for a month with an experiment so we don't mess up our current uh, campaign. Uh, And the final thing I'll say is whenever you do automated bidding, it's good to put some kind of cap in place if possible because otherwise things can just get they can go in a direction you don't want if you don't have a cap in place. Chris, does that sum up your manual versus automated world? Yeah. I I think my favorite um, tidbit there is basically if you have a solid grip on your traffic and you've reached the max potential that you know what to do with it, right? Your your knowledge level is kind of at a peak and you're like, well, should should this go up? Should it go down? I'm not sure what to do. And you can look at your search terms report. You can look at your conversions. You like what's happening and you're at a, at a plateau. You don't know where to go. I know I've said it, go, go back and how and search on a YouTube channel or, or buy our, our pack of old episodes and look for the stuff where we talk about automated. We definitely talk about automated a lot and it's not that we're against it. It's just that Jason and I agree that most people tend to overuse it. It's a simple solution. And sometimes the simple solution can get people in trouble. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Chris, let me let me just give a tip for 
there's a lot of people who are new to Google Ads. A lot of people don't want to do manual. They don't have the time. They don't have the expertise. They don't know where, where to set their bids. You're brand new to Google Ads. I think the best automated strategy, maximize clicks yeah. with a bid limit in yeah, place that you would feel comfortable with uh, your cost per click coming in at. So if you're running a new campaign and you're like, okay, I'm just trying to figure out what's working. I will be very sad if the cost per click is over $20 though. I want it to be more like 10, but I'll be very sad if it's over 20. Maximize clicks, put a cap in place of 20. Give it a couple days to learn the system. It sometimes automate takes a few days to figure itself out and impressions are very low for a couple days. It'll figure it out. You'll start getting some clicks if you're targeting keywords that get volume and you'll be able to see where the kind of cost per click comes in compared to your top of page impression share and starting off automated max clicks with the cap in place will kind of uh, make Google ads very easy to start in terms of where to, where to bid. I think that's a good beginner strategy. Yeah. All right. You got the next one from James in the Philippines, but originally from the UK. There you go. I guess uh, a lot of Americans are too. Yeah. Originally from the yeah, UK. We're, uh, in some originally, sense of the word. I'm from somewhere else. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and then we fled. We were like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> and then we had Thanksgiving. Okay. Hi, okay. Chris, you know, you highlight these things yellow, but I like hearing from oh, the people. Gosh. I want to know the real dig when it's less than five paragraphs. Hi, guys. I just want to say I love your podcast and it inspires me. Love that. I have used a lot of your ideas with great effect on my campaigns, and I feel like I should be paying you. Ha <laughs> ha. Some of us feel that way too, James. Okay, my question is about device bidding. My current campaign includes targeting all devices with an automated strategy, target CPA. I looked at my conversions in the past 30 days, and I got 91 conversions from desktop and 18 from mobile. My daily ads budget is $70 a day. Roughly half my traffic comes from mobile, half from desktop. If this was your campaign, would you turn off mobile bidding so that all traffic would come from desktop and maybe ads would show for longer in the day? I'd be grateful for your suggestions. Thank you so much, Jason and Chris. All right. So, James, originally from the UK, unfortunately, with the information that you've given, I actually cannot answer your question because by making a decision to cut off one device, I might be in favor of you cutting off desktop because the information you gave does not give enough information for me to know what's the cost per conversion. What's the conversion rate? What is the, even the cost per click and how many clicks and how many conversions on each one of those would have been what I needed to know because the more important information is, let's say mobile converts at a 21% conversion rate and desktop converts at a 35% conversion rate. Right. So you, yeah, it, it would seem like it might make sense, but then you need one other piece of the puzzle. How, what's the cost per click? So in the end, you could ignore all of that and, and just cost say, for conversion. sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Well, no cost per conversion. Then you would be able to say, well, if one of them is more than the other, but skip all that. The easy answer is look at your cost per conversion. If the cost per conversion is better on mobile, you get a $2 cost per conversion on mobile, but you get less conversions and uh, desktop you get a $15 cost per conversion, but you get more, what I would do um, is potentially create two different campaigns. I think that's a little bit bold of a move. I don't necessarily think that's the first thing you should do. The first step would instead be to play with your bids. And I would say don't bid up, start with bidding down. If your cost per acquisition for desktop or mobile is higher, pull down on those bids and see what happens. You know, are you able to get a better cost per conversion? And if the case is that uh, there's more search impression share that you could make up with desktop, maybe the next step is then to create a separate campaign and, and push harder on those and try and get a super great search impression share on on desktop. So there you go. Now, Chris, you're just you're throwing that out very cavalierly. Oh, just check your uh, search impression share on desktop versus mobile. Mm-hmm. Okay, I swear, people listen to this show. I swear you, it's like people it's, listen. Today, you must have hit, hit the pipe early today because you're not listening. There is no way for you to check impression share on mobile and Chris, desktop. Uh, Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to apologize ahead of time and take back that rude comment. Because if you don't, if you don't, people go, oh, the great Chris Schaefer, because Jason says great. Oh, blah, blah, blah. No, you know who's 
great, I'm great. Okay, and you're about to step in quicksand right now if you don't correct yourself. So it, we can go about this two different ways, okay? It's uh, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. If you want to go through this gangster style and me just run through you, uh-huh. just keep talking. And, and okay, but but if you want if you want to apologize and I can do this nice, say I want to hear the words. I'm sorry, Jason. You are great. I'm sorry, Jason, that you have such thin skin. No, Chris, I that was I'm, an apology. Give, that was a. I'm a benevolent ruler. <laughs> I'm going to give you one more chance. To protect yourself here, I'm I'm begging you to protect okay, yourself. You're right. I don't want to do what I'm about you're to right. do to you. I I absolutely am sorry that your feelings are so sensitive. Okay, Chris, I'm just going to do it to you, and I uh, I hope you're not mad. Okay. So you were about to tell me. Let, so let me. You were about to say that there's absolutely no way to check impression share, search impression share, mobile versus desktop, and that's why you need two campaigns. No. And no, I feel like we're getting lost in the. No, you. No, we're bog. not. You no, know, you're. Trying I said to there's no way were, to do it. Yeah, I said there's no way to do it. Yes. Okay. Well, you're wrong, dude. You're straight up wrong. Okay, and that's why people listen to the show. Is it the segment? They want advanced tip that years in the game, best adwords manager on the planet, twenty one million dollars a month of revenue, just bought a yacht, just bought a yacht, and it doesn't stay in the United States. It's overseas. Overseas. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. They have my money. They're not showing me pictures anymore. They're not answering my calls. But I think I have invested in, okay. in a yacht. So okay. is it the segment? Is that what I missed? Yes, it is, You're right. Chris. Yes, it is. So if you go to devices You're right. and you try to add the search impression share column and you go, oh, what's my impression share on mobile? Mobile's doing way better. Should I run a full campaign on just mobile? Because could I spend more budget on mm-hmm. it? You're not going to get that answer because you can't add search impression share columns. You cannot to the device area. But if you go to search campaigns and then you go to campaign or all campaigns, whatever, and you have your columns in there of search impression share search impression share lost due to rank and budget and then you segment you click the segment button and you go to device you will get your impression share data on computers mobiles and tablets okay and that feels very good to tell you and i'm glad i had the opportunity mm. to teach you about that i young chris you are Schaefer, absolutely right that is a good point because that's what i should have pointed out first and i have, I have one more comment um before i read the next question i want to say at the current rate we are uh, one question per 10 minutes, which is a horrible rate. I would like to pick that up a bit because I have a family James, and they James want to see the, me James in tonight. the Philippines disagrees. He disagrees. He doesn't want the baby answer. He wants a deep answer, the true answer. Segment out your impression share okay. at the device level. Mm-hmm. Set, or excuse me, segment out device. And then you'll be able to see, hey, what's my cost per conversion on mobile? Is it great? Could I spend more or not? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, Chris? Bart from you took a shot chris you took a shot (laughs) yeah and we're not wearing body armor today i wasn't prepared for it you took a shot at me Mm -hmm. i i came back at you 10 times harder people are going to feel sorry for you number one because of that shirt number two because i came back 10 times harder and number three because i just went after your shirt but i want everyone to know who's just tuning in now (laughs) what no one turns in you took a chris you took a shot at me you said i wasn't listening okay i still don't think you were entirely because you changed my. It doesn't matter. Bart from Flushing in the Netherlands. Another international question. Love it. Hey guys, love the show. Keep that husband and wife flow going. I'll tell you what, it feels absolutely like Bart is right about that one at this moment because um, I feel like the wife is just yapping. All right, I have two questions for you guys. Who's talking right now? <laughs> my, Who was talking right now when they said my that? My boss, my boss. Number one, he has two questions. Number one, number one question. Pay attention, Jason. Uh, my boss wants me to run ads on two accounts. Mm. Okay. What do you guys think about that? Uh, number two, I recently saw the option to set a budget per month instead of per day. I can't find anything about this setting. Is it new or experimental by Google? What do you guys think about the budget per month? So first one and second one, I know you definitely have an answer on the the first one. The second one, we'll see. First one, Chris, uh, two two different accounts for the same business. Yuck. He said, his in his opinion, that's a bad idea. In my opinion, that's a bad idea because of something called double serving. Yep. I think that's against the oh, rules. Yeah. You're, you're not supposed to run. Mm-hmm. But then people would say, what about franchises that run in different cities? Well, that's different. I guess there's I guess there's work around those are technically, I guess, different 
actual businesses, even though they're franchises, same name, but it's different businesses. The only way this would work is if he is wanting to put one on one credit card and another, and it has different geographic targeting or different keywords, something separated between these two for some reason. But if it's two accounts pointing to the same thing, this is one of the rare instances when people say, aren't you competing against each other with, if you have multiple keywords, this is an instance where you literally would pay more per click because you are truly competing against each other here. If you have two different accounts, if you have the same keywords in the same account, no, you're not paying more per click. You're not competing against yourself, but this situation with two accounts, you truly are. And you are actually paying more per click. One campaign is going to suffer. So Jason, what do you think? You're just cheating because he uses the words cover the top of Google. I mean, that's why people cheat. Right. Double service. Yeah. He wants to, he wants to be in first place either with one or the other, which is, it's tacky. I I don't, I I don't think it's appropriate and you could get in trouble. You could essentially lose both accounts. You can lose both accounts. Yeah. 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 Policy issue. It's it's stupid. So don't spend your day trying to game the system because there's, you're never going to be able to game it. They're, they're bigger than you. They're better than you, but you'll never outsmart them in the long run. So, Put that little brain focus somewhere else and add on a different strategy on top of AdWords. So number two, budget per month instead of budget per day. I've heard about this in Bing, Chris. I'm going to plead the fifth. I've never heard about budget per month in Google Ads. Oh, well, it's I've only seen it in a couple campaigns. I mean, I think you would agree if you ever played with it. It's not a game changer. It's just it's essentially the same thing as what they're doing now because Ask me three years ago what I was doing with my daily budgets. I would change them all the time. I would change them on a weekly basis, up and down, up and down to try and keep like, you know, the momentum slowing, momentum speeding up, slowing, speeding up. I would change it five, $10 back and forth. Nowadays, I set it and don't touch it again, which is essentially the same as setting a monthly budget per month. So back in the old days, no, it might've mattered, but now... I don't have a preference either one. If it gives you an option to set it per month, use it. Uh, I, I don't see any negative aspect to it at this point. And I, I just, when I set my daily budget, I just assume that's a monthly right. budget. Like that Multiplied. one day times an average of 30 days a right. month. Multiplied that's by 30.4 or whatever the number is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a huge thing. So, all right. I'm actually, I forgot to label who's supposed to read this next one. So I'm going to read it. It'll be a new question for you. Hope you're ready. Raka from Bali, India. Uh, Raka, I know that you had several other points in here, but I'm, we, we summarized it a bit. He has a, a he has a point at the end. So let's say someone has spent 60% of their budget in the middle of the month. And after doing some math, we find that they will be over their budget by the end of the month. Is it considered best practice to change, adjust the budget while the campaign's still running? So this is essentially a, an add-on to the same question that we got previously from uh, from Bart. So he's asking, what do you think about changing budgets in the middle of the month? Is it, is it an issue? Is that best practice? Do you do that all the time? I think it's a pretty straightforward question. Yeah, you just have to... The reason why you're 60% of your budget in the middle of the month, the reason why you could be, I guess, 80% of your budget at only the middle of the month is because Google reserves the right to go up to 200% over your daily budget on any given day. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you set your budget at $10 a day, they have the right, they reserve the right to spend up to $30 a day, 200% on any given day. So they might do that a few days in the first half of the month, overspend you. And then I believe what they tell you is over the course of a month, we will meter you back down at some point. Mm-hmm. And so if we go over by 200% one day, later in the month on a random day, we might go under by whatever they need to go under to stay within that monthly budget for the month. So if you're 60% into your budget halfway through the month and you really do have your daily budget set correct to where you're going to get what you expect over the course of 30 days, that 60% will meter itself back to the trend line. And by the end of the month, you'll spend what your desired monthly budget is. It might be off by, I don't know, five, 10% given if you're going for 30 days on average, but there's 31 days that month or whatever, but it should sort itself out if you set that daily budget correct. But then again, is there anything wrong with changing or adjusting your budget while the campaign's running? There's nothing that does not affect performance negatively at all. So Chris, later in the month, say they're they're halfway through the month, they're 60% over budget and they go, 
dang, you know what? We want to pull back a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to get less clicks, less conversions. But in terms of quality score and all that kind of stuff, you have the right to change your budget, change what your monthly budget will be anytime you want throughout the month yeah. by changing your daily budget. I wouldn't worry about changing that if you want to make a budget decision. I, I think I think the case you're making for a rational person is entirely correct. I think if someone sees that we're a little bit over, let's pull it back by 10%, okay. But often what I see is I see people freak out and they say, uh, my budget just spent twice as much the past two days. And so they think this is what it's going to spend every day. So they'll calculate how much they have left and they'll pull it way back. They'll pull it back like 80% and then it'll stop running basically. And they'll have to adjust it again. If you get into this point with panicky where you're, you know, you're about to have a car wreck and you're jerking the wheel all the way to the left and then all the way to the right, that's absolutely going to be a negative effect. So that's the only thing I would say. Don't overreact. The system with the budget is way better than it used to be years ago. This is actually part of the automation that I really like. I like the way that the the budget evens out so much more over a month than it used to years ago. I'm just a little confused by these budget questions because like you said earlier, just like you, I don't touch a daily budget unless there's a budget decision and someone wants to spend more or less than we thought they wanted to. But if the plan is to spend a thousand for the month, 33. We just average out, well, 30, whatever, 30.4, whatever. But if you're running business days, we just do an average of 20. Right. So it d- depends on the, your schedule. Yeah. But if we go, okay, on average, we're going to run 20 days, 1,000 divided by 20, $50 a day, we just leave it at 50. And if it spends 100 one day and then the next day spends 20, we don't we don't react no. to that. It Because we know over the course of a month, it will spend what it's supposed to spend given – all the other factors, like if there's enough volume and all that kind of stuff. Greg from Michigan, short and sweet. When you bid on competitors' brand terms, do you do anything to try to play on their name in your ad oh, copy? Gosh, what a great question. Because, I mean, I, I can't think of a single instance when I would change my mind on this. The answer is no. <laughs> do not. And I, I'll briefly say the, the couple reasons why. Uh, number one, lawsuits. Uh, number two, lawsuits. Uh, number three, misrepresentation lawsuit. Um, number four, angry phone call from business owner with lots of curse words. Don't do it because I've 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 had people call me that said, Chris, uh, we're showing up, and because you used a DKI dynamic keyword insertion in your ad copy, it puts the competitor name in there, and we're showing up, and, and the guy called me and cursed me out because I'm you know blah, 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 all because of your ad. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. And that was the one time I learned that lesson and I never had to be taught that lesson again. So that's short and sweet. Absolutely do not. Thanks, Greg. Jason, do you disagree? Surely you don't disagree with that. No, it's just you're so, you know, I would never do that. I would, I'd like to see someone throw some cash your way, Chris, and see. <laughs> Maybe I'll get one of those calls like, hey, Jason. I'm considering this. No, no, I'm just kidding, Chris. I, I believe you. Um, I agree with you. Here's my thing. You're not allowed to use other people's trademarks in the ad copy. Yeah. Google does not allow that. So they'll block it if they catch it. And then, of course, if you do it, you leave yourself. Someone someone could go after you, a competitor, for uh, you're not supposed to use people's trademarks. So don't touch the ad copy and don't play games with it in terms of like if someone has a catchphrase, don't change that catchphrase around in the ad copy when you target their competitor keyword. Here's the thing. You can target trademarks with keywords. That's allowed. So Nike can buy keyword, uh, can buy ads on Reebok searches. Reebok can buy ads on Nike searches. Let's leave it at that, people. Like, do we really need to get more greedy than that? Like, you're allowed to target whatever keywords you want. Why would you want to make an enemy of someone and play games like this? Yeah, that's an excellent point they can always do the same thing back to you. And what would you feel if they started adding ads that said, we're better than X in their ads or something like that? I mean, you would be upset if they did it to you. So that's a, that's a great point. It can always be returned. Golden, golden rule. Yeah. All right. So next we have an interesting question from Katie in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, all the way from the United States. From where? Kentucky. You ever heard? Oh, what city? I couldn't Louisville. Hear. Did I say it wrong? Did I say it? Like someone who's never been to Louisville? Because I don't... Oh, no, I don't know. Louisville. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, it's probably wrong, and you're just not going to tell me, and then you'll tell me afterwards. But that's fine, Katie. No, no. I mean, you're you're saying it with such confidence. I thought, uh, Luis. I, maybe it's a city Luis, I haven't heard of. Louisville. Kind of. Louisville. Okay. <clears throat> now I'm self conscious, and I okay, hate you. Yeah. Hey, hi guys. I would love to get your thoughts on structuring ad groups within a campaign by top, <laughs> middle, and bottle. <laughs> top, middle. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm flustered. Dang it. Top, <laughs> middle, and bottom of funnel themes. And here, it, you know, it's a breakdown. You guys can't see the question, but she very thoughtfully laid out top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. So I'm going to read each one of these. Uh, top of funnel, keywords that would be triggered by informational searches. Ad copy, that is more general information. Educational slash informational landing page. That's top of funnel. So that's people that are typically going to be less valuable to you as a business. Middle of funnel, keywords that go into a bit more product or service depth slash specifics. Ad copy that highlights specific features, price, quality details, or competitive advantages. And a landing page with product or service information and conversion option. And then bottom of funnel, keywords that would be triggered by high purchase intent. Ad copies containing conversion CTAs, call to action. And then landing page with product or service conversion option. So very well thought out, very well written. Um, appreciate the question, Katie. Jason, your thoughts. Well, Katie from Louisville, Kentucky, that's oh, a great question. Um, knew it. Continue. That's a great question. Um, so, Chris, I'm just going to briefly give my thoughts, and then I want to turn back the question to you because I have some questions for you about this. So, Katie, you have a great strategy. You've thought things out. Who am I to sit up here? and say that it's a bad idea. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say it's not something I would normally do for a few reasons. Number one, I would be worried about like, okay, top of funnel, heating and air. Maybe you target a keyword like my air conditioner is out. How do you know if your air conditioner is out? But then bottom of funnel, air conditioning services, Memphis. What, what I would be worried about is those keywords that's, you know, there's we could go on and on with examples, but my point is, I'd be worried about keywords conflicting and getting bottom of funnel traffic that comes actually comes through the top of funnel and middle that came through the bottom. And the keywords are just going to be so close because um, everything's about the same topic. Unless you're doing like real exact match, I'd be kind of worried about that. The other reason I wouldn't be a huge fan of this at the campaign level is the great Chris Schaefer mindset of, don't make things more complex than they have to be. So now you're doing three campaigns instead of one. Now you got to do ad extensions for all three campaigns. Now you got to do negative keywords. Now you got to worry about uh, the settings and all that kind of stuff. I would. She maybe... actually says structuring ad groups within a campaign. So she's actually suggesting all within one single campaign for this. Okay, gotcha. I saw the word campaign structure. So that's where I was going. If I was to go down this road, I would try it with ad groups and maybe you could name your ad groups in a certain way where you could filter and, and get the data. Like if an ad group is HVAC Memphis, start the ad group name with like top of funnel. If it's a top of funnel word or bottom of funnel, if it's a bottom of funnel keyword or ad group. But that said, Chris, the reason I'm not into this is because I do manual bids and with manual bids, I can control everything anyway. So if we have an ad group like air conditioning companies in Memphis, and the ad group is Memphis Air Conditioning, and all the air conditioning Memphis-related keywords go in there, if I want to try top of funnel keywords, middle of funnel keywords, I'll try them. And I'll just lower the bids on them initially because I think they're going to be less valuable. And I'll review the data as it comes in, and I'll manage the bids manually. So... That's where I'm at, so it's not a good fit for me. But that said, Chris, she's very thought out. It sounds like it can be a good strategy if you want to organize your own account this way. That's the beautiful thing about Google Ads. Different things work for different people. So number one, do you agree with that, that it is something someone could try? And number two, can I just get your thoughts on top of funnel, middle of funnel on search? Does that work? Yeah. So, Katie, good. I mean, it's a good question. I feel like we could probably talk a whole episode about this kind of strategy. That's what I'm thinking, dude. Because 
there's so many things. The funnels. We could talk about the yeah. funnels, parts because, of the funnel. Because so let, let's talk. Do. I mean, the main thing is we're going to pick apart the negative stuff. So the negative, because there's lots of good things that could happen, but nobody's here to talk about all the amazing things that could happen because it may not happen to you. Let's talk about the bad things that could happen. Well, we are next week, Katie, we're going to do an episode on this next week. Coming up next week, we're going to talk about funnels. Okay, done. Okay, so here's the thing. I, Jason, I, com- I think you're completely right. The fact that some searches will be caught by each of these top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, you will not have a clean system. If you were to look through all of your top of funnel stuff, you will still get some stuff that should be middle of funnel. I'd say middle of funnel is very difficult to define because top of funnel is obvious. Middle of funnel, bottom of funnel is usually hard to define and it's hard to know like, is this is this appropriate? So I'd say a, a lot of the times... It's going to be really difficult. So the permeation between the searches from top, middle to bottom is going to just be all over the place. And in order to do that, you would have to, what Jason said, use exact match. And that brings me to my third point. If you do this with exact match and you start having tons of keywords and all kinds of stuff like this, this better be a campaign that's worth your time and investment to do something like this. In-house employee. Right. In-house employee. They're spending 10, 20, 30 grand a month. I mean, like, there's going to be some value in doing this because you're going to have the data to see it. But you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a lot of low search volume terms. You're going to get a lot of keywords that get one click a week, you know? And then, I mean, what are you doing? Because then, it, you know, at that point, it's like, is it worth all the effort here? So I'd say I like it. And I think we're going to talk more about it. But in the end, I like the way she's thinking. Yeah, I, I do. I like it. And like Jason said, I think we're going to bring it. We're going to bring it up for a whole new topic. So thanks for writing our content for us. Derek from Spokane, Washington. Uh, anytime we talk about Washington State, we got to talk about my best friend growing up, Yannick. Those people in Washington mm. where he went to college, they stole him from Gosh, me. That is a um, old. Now he's all about that life up there, wow, that... and uh, I miss him so much. I miss him. We still text each other happy birthday. Really? You know. Wow. Yeah. I remember that. I just, That's a story from him, years ago. Still hurts, I can yeah. tell. Yep. But anyway, Derek is uh, from that area, so from Spokane. So uh, trying a campaign, using manual, testing some of the things I'm learning from your YouTube videos. Thank you, Derek. Uh, my question is, while editing the max cost per click for a single keyword that is modified broad match, or as everyone else in the planet calls it, broad match modified, the on the... <laughs> that was a low blow. <laughs> Salty salty today sorry Derek. uh the on the first page of search results amount is one dollar 79 cents however the average cpc is eleven dollars 68 cents please explain why this is and what would be the best actions to take this uh for making those adjustments this campaign recently went to manual so chris first explain to everyone what he's talking about because it's in our head but I don't think a lot of people know and then explain how to how to handle this discrepancy okay so what poor Derek is referring to and he's at a loss about the discrepancy between these two numbers is he's looking at the estimated on first page bid uh, number that Google gives so there's some columns on there there's some other ways to get this estimate but you can see if you put a keyword in and give it like a one cent bid so that Google has you know it's basically got to go up from there it'll tell you estimated first page bid is X and what he's seen is he's seen a dollar 79 and then his average CPC is 1168 so it's going from two dollars all the way up to twelve dollars so a huge discrepancy. So that's why he's asking a question like, what does this mean? Why is that? So let me explain where each of these numbers come from. So on the first page bid search result number, um, essentially is an estimate of what your lowest hanging fruit in order to show up on the first page. Let me, let me define what that means. You're showing up on a search that qualifies as the best quality score that you can possibly get. It's in a geographic area that works well for your page. You have a you have a good landing page score for this person is loading the page fast. Everything falls into place and you show up in sixth position because you're still on the first page. You have a 10 out of 10 quality score for that one search and all the stars align and it's beautiful Look at that. You got on to you got on to that position for a dollar seventy nine. Okay? Congrats. That registers for about one percent of your searches. The other ninety-nine percent are gonna be higher because that's that's the lowest hanging fruit. From there, 
it goes up. Now we talk about situation that you're usually going to get. There's going to be a lot of other competitors. You're not going to have a 10 out of 10 quality score. So you're going to have to make up for it with bids. And now you're paying $6, $12 for this. And you're showing up in second position, maybe still sixth position. The thing is, these numbers are dynamic. They change all the time. They are never standard. Your quality score changes. The number of competitors changes. One person does a search in a certain area. Another person does a search. You can get different bid numbers because each search qualification, the quality score for that is different. So that's that's the answer. It's not that you need to take action on it. You're asking, you know, what do I need to do to make adjustments? Don't make adjustments based on that number. You're not doing it wrong. That estimated number is like basically saying, how do I get my society into a beautiful unification where everyone just shares and eats flowers all day? That's not the standard. The standard is what your CPC is. That's real world. So there you go. That's it. I'm done. Chris, I'm going to uh, say I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize. Don't worry. Uh, what happened earlier in the show? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to edit out completely. I'm going to have Rachel edit it out. Uh, we're going to edit out the video. No. I'm sorry I yelled. I'm sorry I got angry. Mm-hmm. I do somewhat think I was justified, but at the same time, I took it too far. And uh, it's just tough. I was up all night. Everyone on Patreon knows I bought a yacht, mm-hmm. but I bought a fraction of a, I bought a fraction of a yacht, like in France. I bought partial ownership i wired the money and they're not picking up my calls oh my gosh so i was up all night dealing with Mm -hmm. that and you know there's no excuses for what i said and did but um there's a reason so i want to let you know we're going to edit it out and and i apologize to you man to man husband to wife (laughs) i knew (laughs) thank you for being the uh, stronger woman in the relationship wife to husband whatever yeah Someone calls a husband and wife. Early. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, right. Chris, well, uh, let's take Jason. Let's take a break and let's let's just bask in our godlike <laughs> oh God, situation. Okay. Because Brian from Jason, say that say that city name for me. <clears throat> I know you can see it. It's right there. Let's say it out loud. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's ironic. Louisville. No. <laughs> This one actually is Louisville. Of course, it's not because Louisville doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. That's not you know why uh, you know which one it is. Hold on, do you do you accept my do you accept my apology? Yeah, it's great. Really, I, I don't hold okay, grudges, okay. so I don't care. Um, I don't you don't need. I didn't even need it. I do, I've already forgotten. Wow, wow, what a man! Uh-huh. You're a great guy. I I just look up to you, Chris. All right, Temecula, the home of Dan Henderson. How do you know this? How do you know these things? I mean, I don't. I guess I don't travel. Because he's a legend. Do you know who no, he is? No, I have Dan no Henderson? idea who he is. He won the Pride. Who? And then he came over to the UFC and did great. Oh. Then he fought Anderson Silva oh, at UFC 82. Oh, it's, okay. So, great fight, so but then he got choked out in the Referring to round. sports and things. Okay. Dan Henderson put Temecula, California on the map. That's where he was always from when fighting out at Temecula. Brian from Temecula, Team California. Quest. And I'm just going to read this, and then we're yeah. going to move on. You can ask your next uh Byron. 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 Dang it. Byron. You know, I... No question, just wanted to give you guys a huge thumbs up. I generally don't listen to podcasts, especially not SEM PPC podcasts, because I find them boring and clinging to methods that are suspect at best. He says, you guys, however, are great to listen to. I was Google trained and have worked agency side, company side as a freelancer and on every size and type of vertical you can imagine for the past seven years. It's awesome to hear two successful guys say the same things I've been saying forever. The truth about Skaggs episode was particularly heartwarming. Heartwarming. I love that. Heartwarming. I've dismissed Skaggs as garbage from the day from day one and passed on clients and even job app opportunities because they were adamant about using them. Anyway, I digress. Just wanted to give you guys a nod of respect for being QAF quality as freak. Uh, thanks, Brian. Brian, Brian. I had, I don't know how to say it. I might, Byron. I can't, my Byron. Texas tongue Byron. cannot say that name. Thank you, Brian. Uh, whatever, Mr. B. So next. Mr. B. Thank Yeah. Thanks for that comment. Thanks for taking the time. That is, that's, I love that. We, Jason and I saw that come in 
And we've been sitting on that question for a while. You obviously didn't ask a question, but we just loved it. And we thought that was just a great compliment, especially from someone who obviously has been in the industry for a while. It's just nice to hear it because we do get some hate. We could show you some interesting YouTube comments. All right, Jason, go ahead. <laughs> it's not, yeah, but it's not so much hate as much as like sometimes we get some weird, yeah. I'll just say it, sexual comments uh, that we don't know how to respond to or handle. Don't respond so, uh, to it. Yeah, we don't respond to those. Uh, <laughs> Dare from Galloway, Ireland. Love the podcast. Just wondering, what do you guys recommend for language settings on search campaigns as the best to go with? I feel like I could be missing out on a considerable percentage of searches. I'm concerned that our ads uh, could show up for non-English language searches through close variants. Um, is this possible? Um, he, of course, is targeting some mainland Europe with his campaign. So he's wondering if he should just target English. Um, if the business speaks only English or should you target other searches? Uh, very, very interested in your answer here, Chris, because I have a very honest answer. And I don't, I don't know if it's right, yeah. but I do it. So I'd love to know. This is a tough one because it's one of those settings you don't get metrics on, right? There's not many settings in Google ads that you essentially just hold on, blindly. Chris. I'll tell you what's right. <laughs> no, actually, you don't yeah, get I mean, it on you, this one. So I think. And uh, we should get and, it. And, and the great. thing is, this is such a huge high level setting change that I'm not even sure experiments would answer for you. Because if you're changing something, which for those who don't know, when you change the language setting, it's not what they searched. It's not because they searched in English. Google doesn't care how you search. That's a keyword. That's a keyword. Right. That's keyword. Yeah, that's keyword stuff. This is stuff where your browser setting, when you installed your browser and you hit English and you hit accept user agreement, that's what it's looking at. Like your initial English, French, Spanish language setting, even if you're searching in English, you could still not see an ad that's only targeting English speakers uh, if, you're, if your browser set to French as the default language. So in the end, um, I often change to all languages if I have a campaign that has plenty of budget. That, but if I have a campaign that I'm really restricted, you know, I'm having issues with budget or I, need, I need, really need to pull back on some things, I'll change it to English. So, I mean, I, I approach it very broadly I honestly have no data one way or the other. And I I know people outside of the podcast that we talk to, you know, do the same thing where they just like, I use it as kind of a, if I need more, I change it. If I don't want more, I change it the other way. So what do you think? Chris, this is, uh, we're two, uh, two eggs from the same carton. We, we just come up. Okay. Peas in a pod we, we is just, usually we, what people say, but Okay. <laughs> Louisville is usually what people say. <laughs> Don't play that game with me. Nice. Uh, nice. Chris, it's very interesting because we have some differences in, in different areas. But when it comes to Google Ads, we do a lot of things similar, even if we never talk about it before. So I'm the exact same way. If we're running a $1,000 a month campaign, we set that sucker as English and we don't even think about it because we're limited in budget and there's nowhere like we're not trying to spend more and more and, and grow the campaign. But if it's a large campaign and there's one, there wants to be continual growth, just like you, I open it up for all languages because just like you, I've read that it's based on browser settings, not the searches. So if someone has their browser setting in a city like San Antonio, very Hispanic city, a lot of people speaking Spanish uh, primarily in the home and stuff, maybe they set their browser to Spanish because they, they want to read things in Spanish and all that. But then when they're looking for a moving company, or whatever, they know that when they interact with businesses in San Antonio, most of the time they speak English. Mm, so maybe they're point. using their Spanish browser setting and then type in a word like movers in San Antonio. And then when they call that business, they speak in English. I don't want to miss that search. But again, just like you, it's not really a big thing I focus on unless the goal is to spend more and more and grow the campaign as big as possible. Or if it's just a large campaign in general, that's when... I guess both of us are saying, I don't know if we feel comfortable recommending it, but we're, we're both saying, hey, we just set it to all languages and look at the search terms that come in and, and judge the quality based on that and based on the cost per conversion. Yeah. All right. So we have a couple more questions. We're pushing into an hour here. Appreciate you guys sticking around. We have fun answering these. That's why we always go long. So before I get into this I question, yeah, episodes. they're, they're fun. They're episodes. so much more casual and we can just run with it, obviously. Um, so before I do that, 
I want to mention, get this before we hit the hour mark, because we are contractually obligated to tell you guys about optio.com slash PSP. But you know what? It's not because of contracts. It's because I want to tell you about this great tool that I use. I want, I'm here to help you guys out. Optio.com slash PSP. You can get a six-week extended trial. Chat them and say, hey, can I get an extra two weeks? Because I listened to the paid search podcast. They'll give it to you. Try it out. See if you like it. You know what they do. I talked about it the first uh, of the show. We thank them for their sponsorship. Yeah, and by the way, Chris, going from the four-week trial to the six-week, if you're listening to the PSP, that's a great thing because you can do a full over a full month cycle with a campaign yeah, true. or with multiple campaigns and see how it impacts your management performance and efficiency. Mm, so excellent point. try it out free six weeks. And we also want to thank directive consulting. If you're a listener out there who works with a large B2B campaign or a large enterprise campaign, and you're looking for an agency that gets it, that has great communication, that has great accountability, that wants to hear about your goals and then reach those goals by getting you the most quality leads possible and scaling, we recommend Directive Consulting. Go to their website, directiveconsulting.com. Look at some of the enterprise large companies they've worked with. Look at their case studies. They do it all. Pay-per-click, SEO, conversion rate, landing pages, content, digital PR, analytics, social media. They look for what works best. They're able to attack the whole online marketing interface and figure out what's going to work best for you and then scale once you figure it out with them. Great case studies. They work for great clients. Check out their website and get a free custom proposal at directiveconsulting.com. All right. Anna from Kansas City, Missouri. I assume you don't pronounce it Kansas Sita from Missouri or whatever. And I, I assume you don't pronounce it Anna either. Oh, come on. Anna. No, I can say I'm I just no. Was that a joke? Well, I just don't know Anna. with you today. Anna, is it Anna? Anna. Anna. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> One of my clients, a pest control company, services the majority of a state. So we have campaigns broken out by major market and where they have offices to make sure the campaigns don't overlap. Uh oh. Here we go. We have a pretty precise location targeting applied but also exclude specific location targeting for other campaigns. The main concern is that without the specific location targeting, one campaign could acquire a lead that really should have been attributed to another campaign. I'm sure there are negative impacts. She said it right there. I'm sure there are negative impacts on the exclusions in targeting, but do they outweigh the positive? Great question, because you know we're going to dig into the negative stuff, but so the question we should answer is do they outweigh the positive well i guess chris what's the positive the positive is knowing which location which campaigns are bringing in the leads which areas well I, yeah i guess you know the integrity of the conversion tracking assuming that must be really important yeah uh, yeah so that's i mean we can't put a we can't put a threshold on how much that matters to you um, or the but client know how much it matters to you. And then, so yeah, or the client. So what's the downside in terms of knowing what the downside is so you can weigh it against the upside of having that great tracking. Um, I'm going to try to think through this, Chris, that my main concern would be if someone in, okay, we'll do St. Paul and Minneapolis. Everyone knows those are right next to each other. If someone in St. Paul is searching for a Minneapolis plumber, because they live in Minneapolis, but commute to St. Paul to work during the day, I don't want to block from showing up in St. Paul. So I think what it has to do, Chris, is your, what it has to do with is your advanced location settings. Mm -hmm. So on target, you're probably going to target people in or regularly in your targeted location. So in this case, that would be people in or regularly in Minneapolis. And then in the St. Paul campaign, people in or regularly in uh, in the St. Paul area in that campaign. That's as locked down as you can get that advanced setting. So then when you, Chris, help me out here. Yeah. Cause there's a lot it's, to think about. I mean, see, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Like I don't think it would be a huge problem because people are in Minneapolis. You're targeting them. People are in St. Paul. You're targeting them. Uh, but with excluded. Yeah. I mean, it's never that straightforward. I, th I think what Jason's, what his brain's cranking through here is the fact that it's not as straightforward because if you knew all the aspects of what determines location setting, 
it's not just your IP address. It's also based on what you're searching about and uh, your phone towers. I, I have yeah, no I mean, idea. There's, you know, it's like Google says there's it's so people many here, things. But what is, and, and, yeah. and in the end, I would say it would have to be the client's, you know, number one priority. Like they would literally fire you and hire someone else, even if you're getting great results, if you were not keeping the integrity completely separate. In the end, I wouldn't tell them, okay. I'm going to get, I might get fired from clients that hear, you know, if clients listen to this, they might fire me if they hear me say this, but I might not include my, uh, put exclusions on my campaigns. I might target everything, but I would just, I would leave off the exclusions because ex- the, the targeting doesn't bother me. It's the exclusion part that scares me. Exactly. So I would, I would just say, I would show them and say, Hey, here's your campaign. Look, we're targeting these zips, these counties, and this one's targeting this. And I just don't mention that I don't have any exclusions because exclusions is when you could potentially get a click, but it's showing up in the wrong area, but they're searching in this area and then it doesn't overlap and you get no, no impression and you lost the the click. I I got some clarity on what I was having an issue with. If you target the area around Minneapolis, the zip codes, the city of Minneapolis, whatever. And then in another campaign, you target the zip codes or the city or whatever of St. Paul, and there's no overlap and you don't have to do exclusions. That's fine. That's That's like targeting, essentially targeting LA and New York. Like you're targeting two different places. But the problem is if you only target the little city of Minneapolis, the city limits, you're not targeting a 20 mile radius around Minneapolis if you want the whole city. And so if you do a 20 mile radius of Minneapolis, well, then that's probably going to pick up St. Paul. So then you have to exclude St. Paul from the Minneapolis 20 mile radius campaign. And that's where you're getting into screwing things up with the exclusions and all that. You can try it, see how it works out. But if it did become a problem, what you can do is you can target a 20 mile radius around Minneapolis, it can pick up St. Paul. It can pick up other suburbs. That's okay. Go to your locations, um, click on geographic report, click on user location report, um, click on United States, select view, look at your city list. That will tell you the cities that people were in when they clicked on your ad. You're targeting a 20 mile radius around Minneapolis, but it'll tell you whether they were in Minneapolis or St. Paul. And then you can get conversion data and you can just say, hey, this is our geo report. I mean, what's is there something wrong yeah, with that? Yeah, the or? problem, I've had clients like this. The problem is they probably need to see a specific phone number or go to a specific page. Um, it's because this so-and-so franchise is paying for this area. And if so-and-so franchise gets a lead from someone else, they're stepping on someone else's toes. So it's probably not about the reporting. Well, then, then it's nothing, about the phone then, number. Then it's like, it's like buying a house. Like we want a big backyard, but we also want this much square footage, but we want a new kitchen, but yeah. we want remodel bathroom. It's like, you got to give up sometimes if you want to have this nice, uh, people are in St. Paul, they see the St. Paul phone number, St. Paul page, whatever. There's a little give and take, but definitely when you're excluding areas that are within the targeting of another campaign, that's where you might run into some funny stuff. Maybe you get great cost per conversions in both campaigns. It's not a problem, but just be aware that that could be causing issues. Is that fair yeah, to say, Chris? I, I tell you, we people like our show because we're honest. And I'll tell you this, maybe someone will snip this out of our uh, YouTube video and play it and say, can you believe he said this? Um, but Can you believe he said he doesn't yeah, know? Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm going to say this controversial. If anyone says that they're doing this and it's absolutely clean and perfect and works every time, they're lying. There's no way. Take it. You can be mad at me if you say we're doing it and it works perfect. No, you're not. And you're not looking at it close enough. So I'll say that. Yeah. And just from our background, I think you and I are always nervous about cutting cookie cutting locations up too tiny. I think we've just had some bad experiences where someone wants to target two little zip codes in one campaign we just know people are going to be in that area missing out and we're not going to be running as optimally as we could. So we're always hesitant. But then again, if you got to send people to different pages, if you got to do stuff like that, you got to do it. So it's just a give and take and uh, you definitely want to review your options. So Chris, here we go. Helen from the UK. My question is about podcasts. Would you recommend running PPC campaigns for a new podcast that's launching? Or do you feel this isn't the best route to go with other marketing channels instead, such as email? Would there be a better way to promote it? Chris, you're going to love my answer. Mm -hmm. Helen, check the show notes. We wrote an article, and by we, I mean I wrote it, and then I gave Chris 
both of us the byline. Isn't that right? Well, oh, yeah. is that oh, it's absolutely Chris? accurate. I, I looked at that article and I was like, oh, my name's on this. I didn't write this. <laughs> <laughs> it's from a few years yeah. ago. But Helen, um, I guess uh, I would say, yes, uh, obviously marketing a podcast and other channels, there's tons of different w- great ways to market a podcast. Chris and I are always trying to figure that out. But we do think there is room for Google ads when you're marketing a podcast. Check out the article we wrote. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. And it's specifically about how to use Google ads to promote a podcast. So check out that link. And, and for anyone listening that uh, can't see the show notes, just Google supercharge your podcast growth by using Google AdWords. Jason Rothman, Chris Schaefer, paid search podcast. It's on buzzsprout.com. You'll there you go. It. All right. Last question before we jump to Patreon. Um, Jordan from Patreon, which honorary last spot. This is a special spot, post one hour spot. Jordan from Patreon says, let's say you're serving a client who offers only one service. Do you find that sometimes the keywords may be so specific that you're looking at 20 or less keywords and pumping a lot of negatives to compensate? So I assume what he's saying there is he has 20 or so less keywords. So he's saying like a very few number of keywords, but they're all like broad match and kind of wide reaching, hot or high funnel, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, he can't seem to find specifics. He can't seem to find exact matches because they're all like super long you know, one time search kind of thing, one impression, one click kind of stuff. Wow. So he, the, okay. the only way he can find them is with broad match stuff. I think that's what he's saying. So is this a viable strategy? It feels as though this shouldn't work with so few keywords as if it's too easy. He's worried about like, you know, there has to be more to this. Am I not fully optimized if I approach it this way? I think it's a great question. It's a super high level kind of question because he's saying the only way I can get the clicks that I want is if I approach it with a broad reach and then block all the junk I don't want. And I'll give a quick answer. Jordan, I do this all the time with stuff that just doesn't fit into a box of searches, you know, like stuff that's like B2B complex kind of thing, you know, that's like difficult to know exactly how people are searching. And I just throw like a two, I'll even throw pure broad out there. And just say like, eh, maybe it'll, you know, like help, maybe something. And then I'll start blocking stuff. So my thought is absolutely, it does work that way, but it just doesn't stay that way. You should eventually start pulling in a few more targeted things. You should learn a few things, but that's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely viable. It happens. I, I've done it so, plenty. Chris, he mentioned um, personal training. So I'm assuming it's some kind of very specific personal training. And what the problem is if you type in, like, say it's personal training for senior citizens. What are those keywords? What yeah. are people searching right. for? And like, how do you know that they're senior citizens? So yes, you can do the age demographic thing and all that kind of stuff. But how do you actually find those keywords? The problem is if you just go into the account and start typing keywords, you're going to get marked with that low search volume thing. And Google's going to say, whoa, this super long tail phrase uh, keyword you did is searched for so little that we're not going to even allow our system to be taxed by Mm -hmm. it and target it because it's searched for so little, one out of every five years, whatever. We're not going to put that in our system and tax our system. So we're not going to target that keyword, sorry, unless it starts to get searched for more. So I think what he's maybe doing is adding the word personal trainers, personal training phrase match, and then getting a ton of stuff that comes in having to add all these negatives. So yes, you're going to have to add the negatives. Uh, But like Chris says, when you see something with your topic, in this case, in my example, senior citizens come through that search terms report, jump on that, take that search term, cut it up, target it different ways, target that search term, broad match modified, target that search term, phrase match. Think about other ways people would search based on that search term. And another strategy, go to Google, Say it's a senior citizens. How do we know what people search for that with personal training? I Googled personal trainers, senior citizens. And what's really cool is if you scroll down to the bottom of Google and you look at searches related to, and then it puts in what my keyword was, personal trainer, senior citizens, it gives me ideas. Now I find an idea, Chris, personal trainer for 50 plus. And so now I can go into my account and I can do phrase match and broad match modified and exact if you want personal trainer for 50 plus for 60 plus for 65 plus for 70 plus for 80 plus. Mm -hmm. 
uh, personal trainer for 70 phrase match, personal trainer 70 broad match modified, personal trainer years old broad match modified. Um, so searching Google, looking at the related searches, that's how you can kind of get some ideas. Um, there, there you go. go. All right. Well, we're going to jump into a special question from Jessica from Lincoln, Nebraska, who has sent a question before, and she has a very interesting one about client issues. So if you are a freelancer, manager, agency kind of person, join us there. You can hear the answer to this super interesting question. But in the meantime, thanks for listening here. Leave a like, leave a comment, leave a five-star, subscribe. You know what to do. You're welcome. We'll catch you next time.